Good morning. Welcome to Comics 101, an introduction to the various aspects of comics uh, by Dwayne Arnold. Uh, that is me. I am the individual teaching your course. Uh, when I was putting together the materials, um, I decided that an introduction to the, to comics was necessary. And in fact, there'll be a couple more videos in regards to comics. Uh, the main reason why I decided on this was that in my other course, I actually have the students go through a fourth book instead of just three books. And, and that book is called Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. It is an excellent read and it is, um, widely accepted as the definitive book when it comes to comics in general. Um, and that is not just by comic book readers. It is also by industry individuals, uh, comic book artists, comic book writers, comic book editors. And while there are other excellent resources out there on understanding and creating comics, that is considered the number one work. Now, when I was reviewing the materials, uh, due to the nature of the course, which is targeting older students, a lot of the books were a lot more complicated and more involved to read. Um, and it just did not seem to be uh, super practical to add understanding comics, which is essentially a dissertation on comics uh, and the various aspects of a much more in depth than what I'll get into here um, in a comic book form. And the other thing about it is I've noticed that some people in my courses have struggled just because they're not super used to reading comics. Uh, and one of the things that I know that I did myself and other educators have told me that they do is that when I first started getting back into comics, um, I would have a habit of reading all the words first and then going back and looking at the pictures or looking at all the pictures first and then going back and reading the words. And in that way, kind of divvying up those two uh, forms of the media uh, and in order to really get the most out of comics and the book, understanding comics, you need to combine them together. Uh, that being said, I didn't feel comfortable not going over some of the aspects of comics. And the main reason why is unlike um, picture books or word or uh, novels in general, uh, many educators have not been reading graphic novels uh, thoroughly, or at least they haven't been reading them since they were children. And because of that, the sort of shorthand and understanding of the structure that we have when it comes to picture books, when it comes to have uh, to novels. We just don't have that with graphic novels. Uh, at least we adults don't. Um, I think that this next generation coming down the pipe will definitely have all of those considering how popular those are. So it seemed important to go back through and take a look at the structure. Now, as I mentioned, I read comics, uh, especially things like Garfield and stuff like that, uh, quite a bit when I was younger. Uh, as I got older, I moved away from them. And what actually drew me back in was actually uh, graduating with my bachelor's degree. Um, I worked with several different students who had a really tough time reading. And this was right around when the Bone books were getting popular, uh, Bone by Jeff Smith, uh, excellent series for kids and, and adults. And also Amulet uh, by Kazu Kibishi was just starting to become a thing. I think there was only like two books published when I first started looking at them. And I noticed how the kids really gravitated towards them, especially those students who had a hard time connecting with to other materials. And also this was around the time of the rise of Diary of a Wimpy Kid, a rise that has continued. And I decided to just kind of review the materials. I was just curious about what it was about them. And what I found surprisingly was that not only did uh, kids really enjoy them, but I also enjoyed them myself. Uh, when I was younger, um, my biggest problem with comics was that they only seemed to focus on superheroes, which was not necessarily my thing. And 
what I really believe is going to happen over time is that uh, comics and graphic novels are going to be taking a larger and larger piece of the publishing industry, which is already happening. Uh, in fact, not too long ago, Random House established some, their own graphics in print called Random House Graphics, which is specifically focused on publishing comics for children. And Barnes and Nobles, uh, even as I'm speaking, has discussed having a whole section in their kids uh, section that is focused only on graphic novels. Uh, now, I don't know exactly when they're planning on rolling that out, but the reason why they're rolling that out is because they know that they sell. Um, so I do believe that this is the future and just our overall ability to consume visual media through the internet and through th uh, um, things like YouTube, which in fact are why this video is even possible makes it that we're going to become more and more graphically literate and more and more graphically dependent. And I think comics really scratch both of those itches. All right, so let's go ahead and begin. Uh, comics 101, an introduction to the various aspects of comics by Dwayne Arnold. So before we go ahead and get into what a comic is, let's focus on a couple of common misconceptions about what it is not. The first thing a comic is not is a genre. Now, the reason why I think people believe comics are a genre is because in bookstores, uh, they're pulled out. They're separated. They're put into their own space. If you go into Barnes and Nobles today, you will see uh, a Western section, uh, an adult fiction section, a children's section, and you will see a comic section. And you will also see that if you go into the Fargo Public Library, if you go into the Moorhead Public Library, you will see that these have also used what's called a bookstore model where they have these other genres separated out. And then comics are separated out or, or graphic novels are uh, separated out by themselves as well. Um, the reason for this is because the people who are looking to read that material are looking for it in a specific spot. It has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that comics are um, their own own genre. It just has to do with the audience wants to be able to find them and wants to be able to find them well. That being said, comics can be historical fiction, nonfiction, fantasy, realistic fiction, science fiction, or, or horror. Uh, really, they can they can tackle anything. Uh, the other thing that a comic is not is it's not superheroes. Now, uh, superheroes and comics are synonymous in um, American culture, and it strictly is American culture. And even though there are superheroes from other countries, uh, such as Black Widow, um, Black Panther, or, or the Wolverine, uh, um, respectively, uh, those characters, even though they represent Canada, Russia, and the made-up kingdom of Wakanda, are all written by American authors and published in American comic books. Uh, and were just created to give more of an international flavor to comics to appeal to a broader audience. But superheroes themselves are a strictly American phenomenon that, while it's spread around the world, continues to be a strictly American phenomenon, uh, similar to anime and Japanese uh, is a Japanese phenomenon that has taken uh, and had widespread uh, impact on the international culture. Uh, now the main thing is, is that superheroes were created, uh, during World War II. So a lot of the concepts that they embody are almost propaganda-ish and, and in fact have been used in propaganda in the past. Uh, so some of the concepts, uh, of sacrifice and, um, giving up, uh, yourself for the greater good of the country or for others. In fact, two superheroes, Wonder Woman and Captain America, uh, origins happened during World War II. And then additionally, um, 
uh, uh, superheroes were used a lot during the Cold War. Uh, Black Widow is a Russian agent who defects during the Cold War. So um, these superhero ideas are very much informed by our culture, but are not the only thing uh, that impacts comics. Okay, so if we know what comics aren't, then what are they? Uh, comics are uh, juxtaposed pictorial and other images in a deliberate sequence intended to convey information and or produce an aesthetic response in the viewer. Uh, once again, this is from Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. There are other definitions out there. Um, like I mentioned before, this is widely accepted uh, both by industry and by readers of comics. Um, so we're going to go ahead and go with this one. That being said, this this definition is a little wordy. Um, if I was going to break it down a little bit more, uh, it's just that comics are a series of pictures set next to one another uh, in order to tell a story um, or convey any other form of information. Uh, by this definition, there are some things that are comics, which you would not necessarily assume are comics. Certain things like um, diagrams for putting a key of furniture together or safety instructions on how to put put on uh, oxygen mask in event an emergency on a plane are considered comics uh, under this definition, even though uh, we usually call such things diagrams. Uh, on the flip side, certain things that we consider comics are not considered comics underneath this definition. So in order for Scott McCloud's definition to work, you have to have at least two pictures and in certain funnies, uh, such as the far side, family circus, Lockhorn, what you will frequently find is a single image with a caption underneath, uh, whereas the wide regarded uh, definition requires at least two images put next to each other to show some sort of progress. All right, next. So we're gonna go ahead and take a quick look at the parts of a comic. Uh, the most familiar part is panels. Those are the pictures that tell the stories and then gutters which is the blank space between the pictures. Now, even though we mostly focus on the panels, um, the gutters play a very important role too. So I think of the panels as when the artist is doing the work and the gutter is when my mind is doing the work. So in between these two things, uh, my brain fills in pictures. It tells me what's happening. It allows me to imagine it and visualize it and basically almost turn it into a movie inside of my mind. Uh, this panel gives, I mean, the scutter gives my brain time to work. So the panel is essentially when the artist and the author are doing the heavy lifting and the gutter is when you come along and collaborate with them and your brain does the heavy lifting. Now, um, panels and gutters are used in a wide variety of format to uh, express a wide number of ideas and concepts. So what you'll notice in a large amount of action is that the panels or uh, the gutters are put at weird and bizarre angles. And the reason why is to convey the sense of urgency. This can also be done to show anger, to show uneasiness. Um, it basically, uh, your mind and your eye takes it all in and it's not put in nice straight squares it's put at these awkward angles and this makes your mind convey that something is not normal is happening uh and amulet the other thing that they do is they change the shapes of the panels uh to show that the character is dreaming you can also see that the gutters are black and 
longtime readers of the series, when they come across these sequences, instantly know that they are inside the character's mind, that it is a dream sequence, which is a really clever shorthand. Now, these are not the only types of shorthand that you will see. You will see multiple, multiple versions of shorthand that uh, artists have spent quite a bit of time with. Uh, some of them are a lot more clear and easy to understand what the artist is going for than others. But the more that you read them, the easier it becomes. Um, sometimes uh, they're not necessarily trying to convey clear information. They're just trying to convey an impression. So this is from our very first book, The Sculpture, which is coincidentally also written by Scott McCloud, the man who uh, I'm, who wrote Understanding Comics. And in this uh, part, the character is flashing through lots of moments inside of his mind. And I would argue that the author is not necessarily trying to show us all those moments of perfect clarity. He is giving us an impression of what's happening, an overview, a feeling, a sense. And he's using panels to do that. All right. So one of the biggest misconceptions is that a single panel means a single moment in time, but they're not always one-to-one. -one. Uh, you'll see a lot of that when it comes to Family Circus, when you'll see the little map with Jeffrey walking all over the place. Uh, you will also see that in this one right here. Uh, as you can see, this character is all over the place. Um, she's the only one that's all over the place, but the basic concept in the book is that she is going through and she's checking on the different patrons and making sure that they are having an enjoyable meal. Uh, and this is obviously happening all over the place um, and throughout different moments in time. So this panel is encapsulating a large amount and it was just easier and more efficient for the artist uh, slash author, Brian Lee O'Malley, to go through and show it in this format versus multiple panels. All right, another thing that um, comics explore is splash pages. You will see this a lot in superhero comics. Uh, usually a splash page is um, lar larger image. They're usually a lot more detailed, and it's usually to provide more impact. So obviously, um, pages and space are super, super valuable in comics because you only have a set number to convey your idea. So when with a splash page, you take the whole page up, you are trying to have as much impact as possible. Um, a lot of times this is to underscore a super emotional beat or a high action beat and to really just hit the audience in the face with it and make them take a step back and really observe what is going on. All right, so within the panel of themselves, you're going to see uh, multiple things. One of the things is the sound effect. Uh, this helps the reader feel the action and quote-unquote hear it, even though obviously nothing is coming off the page. And then there's also speech bubbles, which honestly I feel is one of the most ingenious versions of comics. Uh, the speech bubble allows you to know exactly who's saying what uh, in a nice, concise form, and they have the tails that point directly to the speaker uh, in a way that is very quick and easy to understand. There's also thought bubbles, which are very similar to speech bubbles. Um, they graphically communicate that the author is thinking it versus saying it. And there's also captions. Uh, captions are basically any exposition or information that the author or the artist feel that the reader needs to know without wanting to have to have the characters within the comic books say it. Um, now, that being said, these are not hard rules. 
uh, different artists and authors will uh, convey this information in different ways. So, for example, in the sculpture of the first book we are reading, captions are frequently used to show what the main character is thinking. And the main reason why is that we're seeing everything from his point of view. So when you have a caption pop up, you are not uh, confused as to who's thinking that. You automatically know it's him because he's the only one whose thoughts that we're ever seeing. Uh, whereas when with comics with multiple points of view, they'll usually use thought bubbles just so you, the audience, knows automatically who is thinking what. All right, the other thing is um, motion lines. Now, there are lots of different ways to show motions in comics. Uh, these lines were developed simply because uh, comics stand still. They don't move. Um, so these motion lines kind of help create a sense of speed. Uh, the ones on the right are more of a Western take on motion lines, and the ones on the left are more of a manga, Japanese, or Eastern take on motion lines. Uh, with... The Western take, what you'll see is usually the background is very clear and um, the character in motion will be a little bit more blurred and then also have lines coming off of them. Uh, uh, whereas with the Japanese model, the character always stays very, very clear, whereas the background is blurred with lines. Now, once again, this is not a hard and fast rule. Um, Japanese comics have had a huge impact on Western comics, and there has also been uh, impact from Western comics on Japanese comics. So you will find these types of motion lines on both sides of the ocean. Um, but... Uh, this is, those places are kind of where that type of thought process originated. Okay. The other thing that can be confusing is what order to read a comic panel. Now, on the right here, we have a pretty obvious one. This is something very similar to what you find in a Sunday comic, uh, where you start at the top and you work your way left to right and you go over that way. Uh, the other thing is that speech bubbles can be sometimes confusing, but what you can do is simply take a look at where that is on the page. The one furthest to the left and highest up is the one you start with, and then you kind of work your way down from panel to panel. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Now, that being said, uh, the panels I'm showing you are pretty straightforward, but there can also be pretty confusing panels. Like this one right here is complicated, uh, you as the reader do not necessarily know where to go immediately. And this one here is also complicated. You can see uh, there's a lot of speech bubbles happening, but there's also a lot going on throughout here. So why is it that authors and illustrators use these? Well, there's a couple of reasons. The first one is that they just may not be super good at their craft yet. That while they know intuitively where to go, uh, that the audience doesn't. Uh, that being said, that's not very common. Usually if they're drawing this level of detail of work, they're usually pretty good. And also, well, it takes me a second to read it. That it takes them hours to create it. So they're spending a lot of time thinking about these. The two main reasons why they make more complicated panels is, number one, they're trying to convey confusion. <clears throat> So in this particular sequence, uh, you can see it's an action sequence. They're fighting each other. Uh, the illustrator and the author are trying to convey this sense of complication, of battle, of war, of confusion. And doing it this way is a very efficient and effective way to do that. Uh, the other reason is because of their audience. So I have heard multiple 
artists, multiple storytellers talk about writing for audiences that are more comfortable with graphic novels and writing for ones that are less comfortable. Uh, they're either trying to reach people who don't normally read comics or they're trying to reach younger audiences. And in the case, in those cases, they basically lie it out a lot more to what you see in the Sunday panel, uh, left to right, one panel at a time. Um, whereas with more sophisticated readers, what they are going to try to do is make keep the reader interested by having more complicated panels and trust that that reader is experienced enough to go ahead and consume the material. Another rule that I've heard of is that the simpler the idea, in this case, a fight, which is a pretty simple concept, the more complicated and interesting you can make the panels. Whereas the more complicated the idea, uh, for example, um, understanding comics, the more simple you want the panels. Uh, you do not want to have the audience working to consume both the content and the pictorial layout in super complicated forms. It's just too much for the brain and it can become very frustrating. All right. Now that, Left to right rule is broken in one area, and that is in the area of mangas, which are read right to left because that is how uh, Japanese language is read. And um, a large number of these importers prefer uh, keeping it in that format as do the reader of those comics. However, we will go over that when we get closer to our mangas. Uh, for right now, the books that I chose generally are big on concepts, so the panel art is pretty simple. Um, thank you for taking the time to watch this. Uh, any other videos that I post, I would also encourage you to watch, especially since the content in them will be gone over in the quiz. All right. Uh, if you have any questions about the content that I posted, feel free to reach out to me. Have a great day.